Welcome to our backyard. This is the Backyard Philosophy Podcast. We are two friends having a discussion after everyone else has passed out or gone to bed. Grab a drink and listen as we discuss everything from automation, space exploration, and why the meaning of life is 42. When you think of Canadians, you probably think hockey, maple syrup, ultra nice people. Too nice, some may argue. Needless to say, you probably don't think of a fierce, near-unstoppable warrior defeating entire armies by themselves. Especially when I mention the word Canada. Well, in the case of Canadian Leo Major, he proved that sometimes nice guys are the most dangerous. Especially when those nice guys fight against the Nazis. But before I tell you the tale of the one-eyed ghost, Nick, eh, how you doing? And what you drinking, eh? Well, I'm not drinking a 12-pack of Molson, unfortunately. Uh, I got some Monkless Double Dries. I got some Monkless Belgian-style beer. What about you? I'm joining you with some Cleveland Underground Whiskey, and it's uh, a finished with Applewood. It's actually pretty damn good. Like everything out of Cleveland, right? <laughs> Might be the only good thing out of Cleveland. Onward to Canada. Leo Major... Born January 23, 1921, in New Bedford, Massachusetts, to a French-Canadian parents. Father, Achille Major, and mother, Amanda Savine, soon after being born in America, would leave to go back to Montreal, all before the age of one. But, as the story continues, I wager, just those few months of being in America was enough to put the fighting spirit inside of him. All in all, Leo would have 12 siblings, and majority be raised by his mother. His father was not a good man. He was abusive and tended to beat Leo and his siblings. Leo would survive his childhood and at the age of 14, move in with his aunts and uncle. I imagine the time period being the Great Depression, multiple miles to feed, and an abusive father that moving in with his aunt and uncle was more of a survival thing than a choice. A few years later, at the age of 17, he would begin working as a construction worker at a train station, where Leo got a bit of a reputation of not fearing the dangerous jobs, which his boss appreciated. Not sure if he didn't fear the dangerous jobs because he was fearless, or that he was just a dumb teenager. I'll let you decide that one. A year later, from working at the construction job, Germany would invade Poland, and in turn, Canada would declare war on Germany. In June 1940, at the age of 19, Leo would sign up to be in the Canadian Army. Why is it so weird to hear the terms, Canada has declared war? Actually, if I remember correctly, Canada declared war on Japan before the United States did, after Pearl Harbor, if I remember correctly. So Canada's actually in first in a lot of the fights. I mean, I understand, and I know this to be true it's just it's a phrase you don't re- you rarely hear this and i know they got they they had a pretty fucked up beach on d-day too didn't they get the worst one? Oh, just wait he was leo was there uh leo would join the regiment de la chadier and go to training at base val carter while training leo would get pneumonia immediately hospitalized for obvious reasons but don't feel bad for him 49 days he was hospitalized. He was able, and he stated, a mire 
the beautiful nurse's legs, end quote. After his stint in the hospital, he would immediately return to training. A year later, in July 1941, he and his regiment would sail to Scotland to prepare for the European invasion. For nearly three years, Leo and his comrades would sit and wait. But instead of sitting on his idle hands, Leo would take this time to train more and become more specialized. Training in reconnaissance, specializing in marksmanship, and improving his English-speaking abilities. All these features made him an ideal communication leader. So, when the brass tried to promote him to sergeant, he kindly refused, saying, and I quote, The sergeant does the officer's work without the merit, end quote. So instead of becoming a, a sergeant, he became a scout sniper. I want to point out from here, because I don't want to do this entire episode, Leo had authoritarian issues, and throughout his entire military career, he would constantly be promoted and demoted. I just, just going to put that out there. Not going to keep track of what rank he is. But after years of waiting, the time had come. D-Day. The landing of Normandy. On June 6, Leo Major and the rest of his regiment would land with fellow Allied forces at Juno Beach. Through heavy fighting, his regiment and him would be able to blow up a German bunker with a Bangalore torpedo and take multiple prisoners. Years later, in an interview, he would ask about fighting on D-Day. Asked if he was scared. He would respond with, and I quote, No, I was too busy shooting at the Germans. That's fair. The day would push on. After the Allies had somewhat secured the beach, Leo would be sent ahead on a survey and scout mission. During this scouting mission, he would come across a German half-track with multiple soldiers in it. Leo proceeded by attacking the half-track, killing the soldiers, and decided after killing to investigate what was inside. In this half-track would be secret codes and communication equipment. Vital information, especially during wartime. A few days later, he would be sent on another scouting mission. Once again, he would come across some of the worst Germans. He found some SS soldiers. A firefight would ensue. Leo would kill four of the Germans, but not before one of them was able to toss a phosphorus grenade at him. The grenade would go off, damaging his left eye. He would return back to his regiment, eye wounded. His commander, seeing him wounded, wanted to send him back to Canada due to his injuries. Leo refused and argued that he wanted to stay in the fight, using points in his argument that he was a sniper and he only needed his right, y, right eye, and his own words because, and I quote, looked like a pirate. After convincing his commanding officers to let him stay on and fight, fight he would. He'd be, part, he'd be part of the Battle of Skelt, a battle that would take place in the southwestern Netherlands and Belgium. This was a heavily fortified area and would cost 12,873 Allied casualties to take this area. Half those casualties would be Canadians. But why in this battle, Leo would do some historic actions. During another reconnaissance mission, the weather was rainy and cold and he spotted two German soldiers. Being wet and cold and seeing his enemies in front of him caused him to be angry. And apparently, he said to himself, and I quote, I am frozen and wet because of you, so you will pay. Because that's so different from Canada. It's, he, again, I told you, that little American spirit that got when he was born in Massachusetts. It's just that fighting spirit just got in him. Leo would sneak around and capture one of the Germans, using him as bait to get the second German. 
The second German attempted to shoot Leo during this fiasco, in which Leo shot back and killed him. Still having a captured German, he used this new prisoner to assist him in capturing the German commanding officer, killing three more in the process to do so, but while this was happening and Leo was going around capturing and convincing Germans to surrender, a different squad, another SS squad, saw this Canadian escorting German prisoners. The SS did not like seeing this. So they began to fire the Canadian and his prisoners. The SS would shoot and kill seven of their own fellow Germans, and while he's being fired upon by the SS soldiers, Leo would simply ignore the bullets and continue to march his German prisoners to the Canadian front line. While marching his prisoners to friendly territory, he came across a Canadian tank and a nice tank crew. Leo promptly told the tank exactly where the SS were. From there, the tank would begin to proceed to fire and send rounds at the SS troops. Continuing the march, Leo would get back to friendly territory with his prisoners. All 93 of them. What the fuck? For this brave act, Leo would be awarded the Distinguished Conduct Medal. Leo would not participate for this medal. The reason why is not clear. It was either that he thought that General Montgomery was incompetent, and since Montgomery would be the one awarding the medal, Leo wanted nothing to do with it. The other possibility that I came across is he had car trouble. Either way, it wouldn't be long till he's back in action. In February 1945, fighting was taking place to capture Rhineland. And while in the area, Leo noticed a priest loading corpse from a destroyed tiger tank into a vehicle for burial. Leo would go over and assist the priest and hitch a ride on top of this vehicle with the corpse in the back. You know, just a free ride, I guess. You help throw bodies into a back of a vehicle, you get a free ride. While riding on the vehicle, the truck would hit a landmine, causing Leo, for back-letter terms, be launched from the vehicle. Landing back first, messing up his legs. He would be taken to physicians, where once again, they try to send him back home to Canada. Once again, Leo. He wanted to stay in the fight. He would leave the hospital and stay with the family in Nijeming. I feel like it's as close as you're going to get. Uh, yeah, I'm giving up on that. The reasons for this is it would be hard for him to be sent back home if the Canadian officials can't find him. After a few weeks of healing, he would rejoin his unit in liberation of Netherlands. Some months would pass, and the Canadian forces would have their eyes on a strategic city under German occupation. This city would be Zoel. The city of Zoel is a Dutch city occupied at this time by 50-ish thousand civilians and many German soldiers. On April 13, 1945, Leo and his friend Wilfred Oshnot, who also went by Willie, would volunteer for a scouting mission on this city. Their task, view, record, report, and if possible, make contact with the Dutch resistance. The Dutch, your favorite people, right Nick? There's two kinds of people I hate in this world. It's people who are intolerant of other people's cultures and the Dutch. While scouting, Leo and Willie would be spotted by some Germans. A firefight ensued, and in the gunfight, Willie would be killed. In return, Leo would kill two of the Germans. Having his friend killed and being so close to the city, full of his enemies, Leo would decide to go on and attack the city by himself. He would enter the city armed with two Sten guns and a sack full of grenades. 
Now, the following which ensued, I had a hard time figuring out which was true and which was not. Either Leo would come across a German officer taken by surprise, take away the officer's weapon, the officer who just happened to speak French, and would tell, Leo would tell the German officer that they were going to bombard the city at causing massive casualties for civilians and Germans. After telling this, he would suggest that the German take his men and run. Then Leo would proceed giving back the officer his weapon as a sign of good faith. This may or may not have happened, but what happened after this event definitely did. At about one in the morning, Leo would take his guns and his grenades and run through the city like a madman, trying to cause as much noise as possible to trick the Germans thinking that the Canadian army was taking the city. While running around, tossing grenades and shooting his guns, Leo would occasionally come across Germans. I mean, it is a German-occupied city after all, so makes sense. Which Leo would proceed to capture groups of them, 8 to 10 in a group, and take them to allied forces. He would do this somewhere around 10 times. Throughout the early morning, making a shit ton of noise with explosives, capturing some Germans, and then go back to the grind. This cycle would happen until once again, he came across some SS. In fact, he came across a SS headquarters. From there, another firefight ensued. Leo would fight and kill four SS officers before the rest of them would flee. All this noise and explosive, missing soldiers, dead bodies, caused the Germans to truly believe that they were under attack and the city was lost. By 4.30 a.m., the exhausted Leo, Leo Major would find the entire city of Zoel empty of Germans. All the Germans had given up their positions and retreated, all because of a pissed-off Canadian with some grenades. The sun rose and the city was liberated. No artillery bombardment, no full invasion into the civilian-crowded city. Leo would then begin his journey back to his regiment, stopping to see Willie, his deceased friend, and move the body to a safer location. He would make it back to his regiment about 9 a.m. and report that the Germans were gone. The city was free. After his report, his commanders would see that him and Willie were taken care of. Once again, the Distinguished Conduct Medal was rewarded to him. This time, he accepted it. World War II would soon end, but Leo's days of fighting were far from over. In 1950, the Korean War would break out, and Canada, once again, would answer the call in assisting Allied forces. Corporal Leo Major would once again be called to time for war, this time not to fight the Nazis, but to fight the Communist advancement. Leo, now being part of the Scout and Sniper Platoon of the 2nd Battalion's 22nd Regiment of the 25th Canadian Infantry Brigade. Boy, that's a fucking mouthful. I could have translated that wrong. My French-Canadian skills are not the best, but hell, my English is not the best. Anyhow, in Korea, on November 22nd, 1951, the 64th Chinese Army, around 40,000 troops, would begin to push and try to take Hill 355 and Hill 227. Hill 355 was a huge strategic importance and Hill 227 was a reinforcement point for Hill 335. The 3rd U.S. Infantry Division held the hill for two days. Constant Chinese bombardment and forces pushes eventually caused the American forces to fall back. Needing that hill, needing that point, the brass decided to call upon the Canadians. Sentence I never thought I would say. In order to retake the ground, the commanding officer brought up an elite scout sniper team, led by none other than Leo. 
the team composed of 18 to 20 men, would be tasked with this daunting hill, Hill 335. At night, Leo and his men quietly snuck up the hill, moving himself and his men in the center of the Chinese forces. On Leo's signal, the squad, made up of less of two dozen men, would open fire in the heart of the Chinese forces. Some 40,000 men. Bullets filled the air. The Chinese forces, confused on why gunfire was coming from inside the center of their stronghold, panicked, thinking they'd been overwhelmed, and fled the hill. By 12.45 a.m., the hill was retaken from tens of thousands of Chinese forces by less than two dozen This men. guy really knows how to make a small force seem like a, a huge force. He's really good at the skill factor, that's for sure. Is he just telling all the other guys, like, guys, I, I've done this before. It'll work. <laughs> Uh, well, I, if I imagine correctly, I think he still has his eye patch. So, uh, he's probably just very intimidating <laughs> to begin with. About an hour later after taking the hill, the Chinese were set a counterattack, made up of about 14,000 soldiers. Over the radio, Leona's men were ordered to retreat. They refused. Throughout the night and the morning, they held the hill. Leo would direct mortars, artillery, and gunfire. Leo would call for such close mortars that they were nearly falling on him. As Captain Charlie Forbes, the commander of the mortar squad at this time, said, and I quote, An audacious man, not satisfied with the proximity of my barrage, and asked to bring it closer in effect. My barrage falls so close that I hear the, my bombs explode when he speaks to me on the radio. End quote. The fighting would ensue, not ending in the morning. For three days the team held the counterattack at bay long enough for reinforcements to arrive. Once again, Leo was awarded Distinguished Conduct Medal, making him the only Canadian in history to receive that medal in two different wars. By the end of his military career, Leo, and I apologize if I forgot anything, would have two Distinguished Conduct Medals, a 1939-1945 star, a France-Germany star, a defense star, a Canadian Volunteer Service Medal, a War Medal, a Korean Medal, a Canadian Volunteer Service Medal for Korea, and a United Nations Korean Medal. Leo's life would be quiet, or at least in comparison to a Korean and World War. Much of his personal life after the wars I had a hard time finding. It seems he was content of stepping into the shadows. He would go on to have a family, four children and five grandchildren. Years later, in 2005, the city of Zoll would make him an honorary citizen and name a street after him. Leo would eventually pass on October 12, 2008, never telling his children of his deeds. His children would learn that from his father's historic deeds when representatives from the Netherlands came to visit Leo. And at Leo's funeral service, Dutch nationalists would attend, some Netherlands people too, a general, and the mayor of Zoll. Not forgotten... Leo Major is taught in schools in Zoll. Zoll football teams have made banners to honor him for his actions. In Canada, by some museum coordinators, he has earned the nickname of Rambo of Quebec. That's awesome. It's a fucking good nickname. And on May 8, 2020, the Canadian Post Office issued a commemorative stamp for the 75th anniversary of Victory in Europe Day. On this stamp shows Leo in his eye patch and all, the stamp is nicknamed the One-Eye Ghost. Fighting in wars with one eye, standing alone or with a few against overwhelming numbers, 
injured multiple times, only returned back to the fight. Canadians may be nice, but I guess they are really good warriors. A poem I think is appropriate for Leo Major, a man who started with a rough childhood and lived through the horrors of multiple wars to help people he did not know. It was a poem by Stephen Moffat, and it goes like this. Demons run when a good man goes to war. Night will fall and drown the sun when a good man goes to war. Friendship dies and true love lies. Night will fall and the dark will rise when a good man goes to war. Demons run, but count the cost of battles won, but the child is lost. I think that's appropriate for Leo. He lost his childhood at a young age, but went on to make sure that when a good man fought, he defeated evil and killed a lot of SS bastards. And that's the story of uh, Leo Major, Nick. A Canadian who... its got He's up there for one of the most badasses in history, I think. Yeah, I, I would agree with that assessment. That's uh, O Canada, I guess. <laughs> Just plugs his wounds with maple syrup and he's good to go. But yes, that's the story of Leo Major. Uh... Sorry if I messed up a lot of words. It's hard to go from French Canadian to Dutch to Korean to uh, German. It's uh, not very good at English, but I hope I did him some justice. And to all the veterans out there, thank you. And thank you all for listening. Thanks for listening to the Backyard Philosophy Podcast. We rarely finish a podcast without missing a point we wanted to bring up, so let us know what we forgot. And if you have a topic you want us to talk about, let us know at Backyard Philosophy on Instagram and Backyard Philosophy Podcast on Facebook.